Hey, Attached to Hygiene listeners, Jack here to once again ask all of you, our loyal listeners, to fill out our listener survey. We've shortened the survey to just four questions, which should take you less than one minute to fill out. And we're up in the ante by offering all five of our sustainability and CSR documents on the hygiene industry to you for free as a thank you for filling out the survey. That's a glossary, an additional terminology document, two white papers, and an overview of eco-labels sent from me directly to your inbox. We put months into creating these documents, and the only thing you need to do to get them is take less than one minute of your time to answer four questions. That's it. I've included the link to the survey at the top of the show notes for this episode, and you can also find it by going to attachthehygiene.com, which is all one word, and clicking on the button at the top of the page that says, take our listener survey. I'll even take a short break here for you to hit pause, go to the show notes, click the link, and take less than one minute to fill out the survey. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your time. And now we'll get into the episode. In the past year, we've launched episodes covering both the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region and the Asia-Pacific region. And for the next two episodes, we'll be covering the third and final major region for Bostic, the Americas. The Americas region has a little over 1 billion people living in it and covers an area stretching from northern Canada, which is just a few thousand miles south of the North Pole, all the way down to the southern tip of Argentina, which is just over 600 miles from Antarctica. While four main languages are spoken, those being Spanish, English, Portuguese, and French, there are thousands of other languages spoken across the two continents as well. These vast geographic, climate, language, and cultural differences means the preferences and expectations around absorbent hygiene products can vary widely within the region. So, as with the APEC and EMEA regions, understanding the market and having a product strategy to meet all these varying needs and expectations can be a real challenge for producers. Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Augusto Quiros and Kelly Riegert. Augusto is Bostic's commercial director for the Americas region, and he has been supporting customers all over Latin America for over 20 years. And Kelly has been supporting Bostic's hygiene customers in North America for over 10 years, first as a technical account manager, and now as our strategic commercial account manager in North America. So, needless to say, they have a vast amount of knowledge about the region and understand how best to support article producers, like you, to develop and produce products for the Americas market. As we did with our other regional market episodes, we'll be breaking this interview into two episodes. In part one, Augusto and Kelly will share insights on the size and growth potential of the Americas market, changes in demographics and user habits, and how the industry overall is responding to all of those changes. Then, on our second episode, 
They'll share some of the challenges being faced by article producers and their suppliers like Bostic, as well as some of the larger trends that they're seeing across the region and within different countries in the Americas. Joining me today to discuss the Americas market are Augusto Quiros and Kelly Riegert. Augusto and Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jack. Happy to be here. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And we're happy to have you both. So as all of our listeners know, I always like to start by having our guests introduce themselves. So Kelly, I think we'll start with you. Can you please tell us about your background in the industry and your role at Bostic? And then I always like to ask, what do our guests find most interesting about working in the hygiene industry? So I'll ask you that as well. Okay, perfect. So yes, my name is Kelly Riegert. I have been at Bostic and and working in the hygiene industry for a little over 12 years now. I have a degree in chemical engineering and I started with Bostic right out of school in our, our tech service or applied technology team working for a number of customers in in North America. And about three or four years ago, I made the move into a commercial role. So still working with the same customers, the same region here in in the US and Canada, but now, now in a commercial account management role. I very much enjoy what I do. I love the connection with the customers and essentially, you know, helping them make their businesses as successful as possible. And something that I, I find most interesting about the the hygiene market is just how dynamic it is, whether it's acquisitions of different uh, customers or organizations, opening of new plants, closing of old plants. It's just always changing. And I think that makes the, the job interesting and the work interesting and fun. So again, thank you very much for having me today. I, I look forward to our discussion. Yeah, and I would completely agree with that point. And I think, and then some of our other guests have mentioned that the the industry is, you know, it changes pretty quickly in some ways, and then in other ways it stays the same. But there's there's always something going on, whether it, like you said, it's acquisitions or new products or innovations or new plants opening or some plants closing. Yeah, it's it's certainly never boring, and, <laughs> and that makes it uh, very fun to work in. Exactly. <laughs> and Augusto, I'll ask you the same question. Can you tell us a little bit about your background at Bostic and in the industry, and then what you enjoy most about working in the industry? Sure, Jack. My name is Augusto Quiroz. I am the commercial director for the Americas. I am a chemical engineer as well. I have been with Bostic over 23 years. I have been working in the industry for almost 25 years. I'm based in Mexico, and it has been a fantastic journey. In the last 22, 23 years, I have had the pleasure of traveling the region, knowing customers, knowing different cultures, and in this uh, special segment of the hygiene products, I can echo what Kelly just said. It is a fantastic, dynamic industry. And I started as a young engineer with Bostic. Then after some years, I got married. I have kids. I have three kids, by the way. I started to change diapers. So it has been very interesting to see how the industry continues evolving day by day. And here we are, you know, with a, a very dynamic industry, completely interesting in what is the future with the new trends. So it's super interesting industry. I'm really happy to continue working with the hygiene segment. Yeah, and you you also made a comment there that many of our other guests on the show have, have mentioned is the fact that the products that we make are very relatable. You know, I think pretty much everyone in the world 
will use or you know have contact with a hygiene product at some point in their lives, whether it's as a baby or if, if you're someone who menstruates and using a period products or if you know if you have to use or purchase uh, incontinence products as you get older, it's uh, it's something that pretty much everyone can relate to and understand. And yeah, the evolution of those products and and how they the technologies have evolved and gotten better and now we're moving into this the trend of sustainability and and all the changes that are happening there it's it's very interesting but also uh, very relatable because it's something that people can understand so yeah i definitely agree with that right right and i i will see that the future will continue shaping this industry but it's it's again a very dynamic and very fun to to work with this industry in many countries with different cultures. I know we'll talk later about the differences in, in the region, but it's also an uh, interesting point to see, you know, when we compare in this type of podcast, what's happening in other regions, we continue learning from each other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the as you said, we'll talk about this in a minute, but yeah, just especially in the Americas and, and you get it in, in all the regions that we, that we see, but how diverse and different the different parts of the region or even countries are, but then in many ways how they're the same in, in some ways because of the products that they prefer or the types of products they use or the brands that they like. And yeah, it's um, in so so many ways different, but so many ways the same, which which makes it both easy at times, but also very difficult at times. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. So I want to start, and we like to start these episodes as we had with the other two regions by kind of giving a overview of the current hygiene market size and growth numbers in in this specific region that we're covering. So yeah, we'll dive into that then. And Kelly, I guess we'll start with you. Can you kind of give us a sense of the the size or the potential of the Americas region and then talk a little bit about the part of the region that you work in, which is the North America or mainly the U.S. and Canada? Yes, yeah, certainly. So the numbers that we have are from 2020. And so globally, 691 billion hygiene products were sold, with 21% of those being in the Americas region. So that that includes, you know, U.S., Canada, Mexico, and, and the other LATAM countries. So for the U.S. and Canada specifically, though, 62.2 billion hygiene products were sold, which is just mind-boggling to think about just the amount of products that are manufactured and sold, you know, every year. I think, you know, as we dive a little deeper into the different types of hygiene products, it's not surprising that period products make up the largest portion of volume, you know, just due to due to how often they're used and changed. So, you know, 45%, close to 28 billion units of period products were sold in the U.S. and Canada in 2020. Diapers and pants are about 35% um, at around 22 billion units. And adult incontinent products um, are about 20% at 13 billion units. And basically, you know, the projection for the U.S. and Canada is that by 2025, baby care is, you know, expected to drop. But adult incontinence and period products are, are expected to continue to rise a bit. So I think none of that is should be surprising, you know, to our listeners. I think we can all understand, especially those of us who who reside in the US and Canada, you know, where those numbers come from and those those overall trends. But I think it's good, you know, like you said, Jack, for us to to ground ourselves in in the numbers and just the percentages of of what type of hygiene products are used. Yeah, definitely nothing new there. We've seen that trend all over the place. 
and uh, we'll, we'll dive a little into the specifics. But yeah, as you said, it, it's good to kind of level set all of our listeners on on what's happening and what we're talking about and, and what's driving some of the changes that we'll talk about in a minute. And Augusto, same question for the, the Mexico, Central and South American markets. What are we seeing there as far as size of the market and growth potential? Well, Jack, for Mexico, out of the 700 billions, we see in Mexico 22, 23 billion units being sold. And coincidentally, we put together Central and South America in 2020. It gave us 62, 63 billion units, very similar to what Kelly just mentioned for US and Canada. For Mexico, Central and South America, the period products made up about 53% of the units sold. That is roughly 45 billion units, while baby care made up almost 40%. That is almost 33 billion units sold. It is not a surprise to see the adult income segment is growing, but out of these figures, we have less than 8% of the total volume for the incontinence segment, which is almost 6.5 billion units. And what about growth potential? Where, where will we see growth in the Mexico, Central and South American markets? Well, for growth, we are expecting by, by 2025, the period products are expected to grow in the entire region. That is not a surprise. We continue see, seeing that the penetration for the feminine care segment will rise, especially in Central and South America. And also for the adult income products, there, that is a category that continues growing. The baby care segment for Mexico, Central America will be almost stable for the projection of 2025. So then based on where things stand and where we see things going a little bit in the region obviously that's being driven by what's what's happening to the population and gdp and you know as both of you alluded to the effect on birth rates and then the, the aging population all that is, is, is playing a big role and what those numbers say now and what they'll say in well i guess three years and then in, in you know beyond that so you know and obviously we know that as with the other two regions that we've talked about, this region has been hit hard by the COVID pandemic, and that's that's impacting a lot of a lot of things like population growth and and birth rates and GDP, especially for for many of the countries and people here. So, what trends are we seeing in those areas of, of population growth and GDP and you know birth rates and the age of the population? that obviously is going to have significant impact on the the market into the years to come. And Augusto, we'll start with you on that one. Sure, Jack. Well, you just brought us a really good example. After being in this industry for more than 20 years, we normally saw that Latin America was growing and growing and growing in this segment. Then the pandemic hit us. And the GDPs for many countries in the period of 2019, 2020, 2021 were severely affected. Just to give you some ideas, the GDP in 2020 in the key countries such as Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, or Argentina were down almost 8 to 10%. You know, some, to give you an example, Mexico went down 8.2%, or Argentina almost 10% in the GDPs in 2020. After that, there has been some recovery. In 2021, Colombia grew almost 10%. In 
similar Argentina and the big two countries, Mexico and Brazil, are were also growing in 2021 as, as a result of coming out of the pandemic. But that impacted, you know, every single family in the region. That is not a surprise. And that also affected some decision about the uses of hygiene products. So certainly, yes, for U.S. and Canada, the... Um projected growth rate for the U.S., or I should say the past growth rate, has been less than a percent, about 0.6 percent over since 2018. Um, and that's not really expected to change a whole lot. Similar to what Augusto was talking about for Mexico and Central and South America countries, um, the U.S. and Canada obviously were hit during 2020 in terms of GDP, just like everyone else was. You know, not as drastically. Um, the U.S. GDP was down three and a half percent. Canada five and a half, and they they bounced back pretty well in 2021 and 2022. But there's certainly a projection of slowing GDP out to 2023 and and beyond. So it'll be interesting to see how that you know plus inflation and those sorts of things obviously will affect. GDP and disposable incomes, and how does that then affect our industry, will certainly be something to to watch and to um, to consider. And then certainly, like overall trends for the U.S. and Canada, kind of has as we mentioned, birth rates are declining in both U.S. and Canada. But on the other hand, we do have aging populations. So you know, by 2023, it's projected that one in six people in the world will be over 60 years old which you know certainly will will have an effect on you know adult incontinent products and with not only the population living longer but hopefully and statistically being healthier longer you know the shift to more retail or protective underwear type um, adult incontinent products versus say like a brief or those sorts of things um, is certainly a trend that I would imagine we'll see as well just to, you know, to keep going with this shift. So yeah, overall, you know, I think again, nothing very surprising to our listeners, you know, in terms of trends with, you know, birth rates declining and aging population is becoming more significant as the years go on. And Augusto, touching on some of the things that, that Kelly mentioned as far as birth rates and aging population, what are we seeing in, in the LATAM market? Well, Latin America, uh, for our listeners in the region, some generations ago, was normal to see larger families. Actually, I am part of one of these big families. For Latin America, in 2019-2020, there was a statistic for us available giving us 16.5 births per 1,000 people. But the projection is that these will be around 15.7 births per 1,000 by 2025. That is not a surprise. We all saw that during the pandemic in countries like Brazil, Mexico, and others, a couple decided to postpone to have babies. There was declining in the birth rates in, during the 2019, 2020, 21. It doesn't seem that will change. So there's a confirmation, as Kelly just said, that some countries will continue seeing this declining in birth rates. But Yes, in Latin America, also, there is expected growth for the adult incontinence. Uh, people are living longer, so the aging populations is a fact, so we'll continue driving growth in the region. 
Yeah, so definitely similar to the other regions that we talked about. You know, everyone's kind of facing that that same issue of either people delaying having kids or having less kids or not having kids at all. And then also, you know, managing an aging population, managing, as you both alluded to, a healthier, older population that is living longer, um, but also has their own set of needs. And, and obviously related to our industry, the use of, of absorbent products for, for incontinence issues, which is, you know, as both you said, growing significantly and will continue to grow. So that kind of covers the the population itself and and some of the trends there. What about user habits? What what are we seeing as far as changing expectations in in both the the North American market and then the Central and Southern American markets? That that obviously whether it be online shopping or internet access or you know product preferences is going to have a huge impact on our market and and how it evolves throughout the entire region. So what are we seeing there? And, and I'll start with you there, Augusto. Well, Jack, this is a, a very interesting topic. And for our listeners outside of Latin America, that probably will be new for you because the usage of internet or online shopping has a very positive impact in the last two years. Today, in almost every country in Latin America, people uh, is going online, do shopping, and for the hygiene products, is not the exception. It was a dramatic positive change. Buying online, order your incontinence product through supermarkets, portals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you get those products next day or the same day at the door of your house. That is not new for North America. So, Kelly, maybe that was a standard uh, in North America, just people getting articles online many years ago. But the online retail was a dramatic change in the last 36 months or 24 months in Latin America. Today, people are ordering, again, through multiple channels, and that was a, an important change in our regions. Yeah, and, and uh, just to piggyback off of uh, what Augusto is saying for North America and uh U.S. and Canada, certainly online shopping was not new, you know, once COVID hit. It, it had been present for a long time. I would say, though, and this is just going off of I don't have any any data or anything that I'm going off of, but just knowing, you know, friends, family, the industry, et cetera, in um, North America, I would say that the purchase of groceries, which I would throw, you know, hygiene articles into that, I think, well, for sure, groceries expanded significantly with COVID because you you couldn't go into a grocery store for many months. And, and not only online shopping then, but the use of, you know, sitting at your computer at home, buying your groceries, which would include, you know, hygiene articles, and then just driving to the store on your way home from work to have somebody put them in the trunk of your car so you could continue driving home and not spend any time in the in the store that expanded significantly as well due to covid so the the infrastructure for the most part was in place i think in north america prior to covid but certainly was utilized tenfold you know with the with the closure of stores and people trying to avoid contact with others and such and when thinking specifically about our industry, um, if you're purchasing products either online or you're you're filling your carts and just picking it up without actually going into a store, you know that changes the dynamics of of what our customers are doing significantly. From you know folks 
are going off of maybe reviews on a website or you know, perhaps they, they don't want to try new things as much because it's just easier to reorder what you've already ordered. So I think it's it's interesting the dynamics of not as many people standing in an aisle in a store looking at the products is just an interesting thing to to consider how that's changing consumer behavior. And, you know, certainly we've definitely seen the expansion of online only or majority online brands. I think in this region, Hello Bello is a great example. They, you know, partnered with Walmart to get on store shelves and also had a significant online presence, you know, other than that. And, you know, they just, I'm sure not surprising or new news to anybody listening to this podcast, but Hello Bello just opened their own plant um, in Texas because the popularity of their products has grown so much. So, there's definitely a significant move to online purchasing and, and again, to not walking into a store to purchase your products anymore. You know, I think that's having a very interesting dynamic effect um, on the industry in general. And, you know, Jack, other aspect in Latin America is the user habits varies substantially country by country. I'll give you some examples. You know, for example, in Colombia, there is one special day in some pharmacies or grocery stores that they promote articles for babies in general. So that will be a good day to go to that specific uh, grocery store or pharmacy in Colombia and buy your diapers or the diapers the baby will need. So people is really seeking this type of promotions or there is a bundle effect in the articles you buy in a grocery in Argentina so this supermarket chain attracts consumers to visit their site one particular day and they can buy hygiene articles plus others. The other aspect is also the pharmacies are becoming not the old standard pharmacy that we knew in Latin America. No, today are more pharmacies like a mini market. So people go there and they buy their articles and they buy uh, their drugs or medicine, etc. So that is changing in the region. So there's also some delivery service that they can stop by the pharmacy, buy your diapers, and deliver to your home in a matter in a matter of hours. So again, in, within the region, we see very interesting dynamics, different uh, user habits. For example, in Mexico, there is a chain that also gets some promotion by in the middle of the year. So people are really eager to buy, you know baby diapers in a particular day of the week and they get some discounts. So it's very interesting. So when we travel the region, we put attention to those details and understand how our customers behave within their specific uh, perimeter. That is so interesting. I had no no idea, but genius as well to promote different types of products on different days. That's so cool. Right. And that takes us to why end users are putting extra attention to all the advertisements through social media, through web pages, etc., in order to define where to buy or when to buy. So this is when I talk to my colleagues in, in Colombia, in Argentina, in Brazil, they have so different user habits. So they buy through an app or they buy through a delivery service or they know that, for example, today is a Friday or Wednesday, it is the day to go to the grocery store. You know, it's, it's super funny. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had no idea about that either, but that's that's really interesting. Obviously, a bit of a different approach to the U.S., just focusing on on days, but it seems like uh, still that, that combination, that similarity in the U.S. of a combination of online promotions, some uh, online retailing, but still a strong presence of brick and mortar and physical locations where people want to come in and buy products and are, are incentivized to do that. So then with all of that, so the, the, the changing population numbers, GDP, birth rates, the aging population increase, and those user habits that you just mentioned, what are the results of this for the players in the market? How, how are they responding? And Kelly, we'll, we'll start with you on that. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it's interesting to see how different manufacturers and users and customers in general are responding to to all of this. We have, you know, companies like Ontex that are building new plants in the U.S. to to, you know, supply that region. And then yet there's also these consolidations. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting to note the the consolidation of, you know, different manufacturing sites. We've had a number of announcements recently within the last, I'd say, two to three years of of just increased efficiencies at different at our customers. So they're able to potentially close manufacturing sites while putting, you know, newer, faster lines and such into into current uh, manufacturing sites to to stick with the demand or the growing demand as well. I think the other thing, this kind of goes along with what I was talking about with, you know, Hello Bello, but certainly there are many other examples, is that we're seeing some examples of branded, branded store products. So not, uh, not to be confused with, you know, your like your private label or your just store brand. So, you know, obviously Walmart has parents choice here in US and Canada, you know, Target has up and up and and those are great products and here to stay and, and they have, you know, large market shares. But the perfect example, or, or since we've already talked about it is Hello Bello, where it's a Walmart specific product from the company Hello Bello. Um, as well as then online. And we see other examples of that as well, where stores are asking to have brands just for themselves, aside from just their store brand, um, which I think is an interesting, you know, way to target different markets, you know, potentially, you know, younger or more active adult incontinent wearers, or, you know, maybe the next generation of moms and dads who are buying baby diapers or to get in on the trend of feminine care with, you know, different types of articles that, you know, perhaps are are softer or seen as more sustainable. So I think that's a that's a really interesting trend as well. So yeah, I guess I guess that's how I would I would kind of summarize North America and Canada in terms of where all those trends are kind of leading us. Yeah, that's that I mean that's been really interesting and I think we'll continue to see that evolve where you have these large retailers, obviously, as you said, they're having they have their own brands, their own private label brands, but then partnering with these growing, trendy, popular brands, you know, they can drive business with this, you know, this millennial population into their stores or at least onto their websites because they yeah. have these exclusion exclusive relationships. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That was that was stated even better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And and Augusto, what are what's the perspective or how are customers responding in the uh, Mexico, Central and South American markets? Well, in Latin American uh, market, Jack, we have uh, different examples. One is, as Kelly was saying, there is this increase of producers making private label brands in different countries, different, different countries. They produce some specific brands, but also there has been recent phenomenon for hard discounts stores. In the past, those stores were just selling different types of articles, and now they require to have also baby diapers, for example, with their own brand. And this is why some producers are jumping in to say, yes, I can produce for you. And this interesting phenomenon we are seeing in some countries where these hard discounts, places like in Colombia, are taking important presence in the market. The other factor is that there is also consolidation in the region. It is not a surprise. For example, Dayo, the Japanese manufacturer, acquired company Santer in Brazil. Uh, another example was recently the Chilean company Softis just acquired Carta Fabril in Brazil. So that has been the trend in recent years to see this consolidation of companies. To me, that will continue. Some other companies will be acquired. And this is part of the, the new reality of the situation of doing business in, in Latin America. And also, and we'll, I know we'll talk later, Jack, is that the cost is very important for the Latin market. So just to give you an example, some producers have adopted more flexibility in producing lower counts in their bags, going to the level to produce a single unit in a bag. You know, it's an individual diaper in a plastic bag in a pouch that can be sold in some mini stores. Why? Because there is population in Latin America that they cannot afford to buy 120 diapers in a bag. So this is why the producers have to pay attention to those sectors of the society and give them an opportunity to buy articles. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, Augusto. And that's something we actually heard our colleague Saif uh, Sharawi mention about the some places in Africa too that you know some some uh, stores will buy these bags, these you know large quantities of diapers, but then sell them individually. And obviously, it's a little bit of a different approach in Latam if if they're prepackaged. But just yeah, the need to serve that portion of the population that can't buy in bulk or can't even you know afford to buy a box of diapers and and needs to buy them on an individual basis to, you know, fit their own budget. I think that's really interesting. And for me, something that can is overlooked in the North American market, in my own experience, just because I don't know if it's as if it's as common. Right, right. And, you know, another, you know, particular example is, for example, in Argentina, there are places that call pañaleras, which is just a diaper store, but very small one type of a a local shop in your neighborhood. So they just sell diapers. And there's people not going to the super big store, grocery stores. They go for a specific shop close to their, where they live and they buy diapers. So this is a, a different phenomenon that also exists in Argentina, for example. And are, Augusto, are the products sold in those specific diaper stores the same as ones they could buy at you know, their local grocery store or drugstore or something? Are they different or? The same, the same, Kelly. They're the same. So it's just the convenience to go to a a very nearby shop. And in these cases, well, 
they can buy good prices. So there is different type of negotiation between the producer itself versus a retailer and the producers versus uh, this small distributor. But at the end, the consumer in Argentina finds this as an effective way to buy diapers, same type of diapers, a good competitive price in a local, local nearby shop. Oh, cool. That's super interesting. So one thing before we dive a little deeper into some of the, the challenges for article producers and, and suppliers like Bostic, I wanted to touch on something you alluded to a little bit related to Costa Gusto, and that would be commoditization. And this was talked about quite a bit in, in our EMEA episode, and then Rocky Yeah and Tina Lee just talked about it in our APAC episode. And is commoditization of, of products or of a brand something that we're seeing a lot of in, in either the North American market, Kelly, or the, the Latin American market, Augusto? And Kelly, we can start with you on that. I would say that in general, products that you can buy at the store, branded, store brand, et cetera, are all good products. Some you know, provide features that others can't and those sorts of things. So there's definitely differentiation and innovation to some point. And the sustainability factor is also kind of driving that differentiation a little bit. But certainly there's, there's many options of lower priced products that are good. And so I think there is a, a little bit of commoditization going on in the U.S. for those those lower, more cost-effective products that, that don't necessarily have, you know, maybe the, the super soft top sheets and those sorts of things. So, so certainly for those that produce in that region, there is a large focus on cost and efficiency, efficiency improvements and those sorts of things. I think that is relevant and that is here, but there is also the constant push, you know, as we talked about earlier in the podcast of, you know, differentiation and innovation. And that is also relevant as well. So I think I think it's a bit of both, um, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, it it's, you know, I think that set of consumers, which is a large set, that's always going to demand cheaper products or, or more cost-effective products, but aren't necessarily willing to sacrifice on function and, and the functionality and performance of a product. But then as we've talked about on the, on other episodes, you still have that portion of the population that is looking for something kind of unique or special or different in, you know, you name it, whatever that way is, whether it's a, a compostable diaper, whether it's a mostly cotton diaper, whether it's, you know, the, you know, super premium soft diaper, yeah, the, it kind of lends itself to both things happening at the same time in the market. Yeah, and I do think that, you know, as we talked about in the opening of the podcast with GDP is predicted to continue to decrease, um, you know, and obviously inflation is here full force and those sorts of things, there most likely will be a trend of reduced uh, disposable income, which will anybody who has less disposable income then will will most likely focus on you know those good products that maybe don't have the fancy you know bells and whistles but but work i think that drive to i think there will be a greater drive in the future to consumers utilizing those products just with the dynamics of where the economy is going you know the overall impact of that will be interesting to see but certainly i think i think there'll be at least consumers trying those brands more as they try to save save some money as inflation keeps going up so that'll be an interesting dynamic to keep an eye on as well over the next you know few years here 
Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that, you know, where we sit right now towards the beginning of the summer, you know, and even six months from now, I think it'll be, we will be having a very different conversation, um, let alone a year or two from now. Yeah, exactly. And Augusto, what about the, the, the LATAM market? Are we seeing some commoditization effects there as well? Indeed, Jack. Certainly the disposable income effect is super important in Latin American region. And I think this commoditization goes in all countries, but this is why we see some kind of mixed loyalty, if you allow me that expression, Jack, is when we have seen the end user switching from one brand to another just based on cost. Once the end user identify a good diaper, good enough diaper, for example, they say, okay, this type of product fits well with what my baby needs, what it fits well with my budget, etc. But as I just mentioned, the next week they found that the other store is selling another similar brand. They switch brands. They buy the other one. And this is how the, the customer behaves in Latin America. So they are loyal to one or two brands, always paying attention how much a diaper bag, for example. So this is very interesting. So our customers out there are under a challenging times to provide good features at good cost. So this is where we want to help them to get a new good product out there for the market because the end user will be looking at, okay, I can leave, for example, certain type of diaper that is going to last six hours or something. But there could be another end user to say, okay, I cannot live without stretch years. So this is why we're seeing some of mixed loyalty among customers or end users. So there you have it. You now have a nice overview of the current America's market and how it is expected to grow in the coming years. On part two of this interview, we'll cover some of the challenges producers are facing based on all the changes we just discussed, then touch on a few of the five C's or consumer trends influencing the market. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're offering all of our listeners a chance to get five different documents covering several aspects of sustainability in the absorbent hygiene industry in exchange for taking our listener survey. This will take less than one minute and would really help us to continue to grow the show into something our listeners will love. Just head to the show notes, click the survey link, and answer four questions. That's it. We really appreciate your time and continued support of Attached to Hygiene. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to this episode's guests, Augusto Quiros and Kelly Rieger. You can find Kelly on LinkedIn, or you can feel free to address emails to either of them directly at our hygiene at bostic.com email address. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.